0: I'm Brett Chang. And I am Jay Rosenthal, and this is your Peak Daily for Thursday, January 6th, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance, and tech, all in less than seven minutes. Brett, we've gone over this before. You do not get the Toronto Star at your home?
1: I'm not even sure how I would receive it. They'd have to leave it at like, my lobby and I'd go downstairs and pick it up. It's like a real hassle.
0: Sounds super convenient. Well, in the Toronto Star yesterday, there was, of course, the front page story about BlackBerry shutting down some of their devices and support. Inside the business section, specifically page B2, there was a story about a class action lawsuit moving forward in the US by some investors and in a class action that is actually moving forward. So it was a busy day for a BlackBerry lawyer's past and present.
1: I think BlackBerry has been a bit of a rudderless ship for a while now. I saw that they were selling a bunch of their IP and the IP is really what makes BlackBerry valuable. Like, I think Facebook has to pay them a certain amount every year because they, BlackBerry owns the patent of BBM, which is similar to Facebook Messenger. But it does lead me to ask, you know, if you were the CEO of BlackBerry, what would you do with the company to bring it back to life?
0: Honestly, I would go to like the Revenge of Analog route, David Sachs. I would try to bring back some of those old phones that people actually like that are not super fancy, but like not everybody needs a computer in their hand, they need a phone, they maybe need text messages, maybe a good camera, but really that's it. I would like Lena that and I'd bring back the antenna just for fun.
1: The antenna would be fun. I like the analog route. I, I just think minimalism is a big deal right now. You know, people wanna go offline, but they still wanna stay connected in case there's an emergency. I think you have a, a, a good point there. You know what I'd do, I'd go crypto. Everybody loves crypto. You're gonna hear about it more later on in this episode, but something crypto just to get that stock pumping again, maybe go full meme stock. You know, it's another opportunity as well.
0: Or create like a hardware wallet.
1: Yeah, that's, thing, that's I right. Think, yeah, yeah I, I just got one. A, a hardware wallet would be uh, it would be a great idea for BlackBerry, and could could make BlackBerry great again.
0: And frankly, it, it's right in line with their core strategy, which was always like security of the network, and no
1: touchscreen needed.
0: Where? Why are not we running BlackBerry, Brett? <laughs> Aside from our jobs to be, Brett, what do we have for PayPal today? <laughs>
1: For our first story, Open Seas. For our second story, We're Hiring. And for our third story, Oil Soars.
0: For our first story, the world's biggest NFT marketplace, OpenSea, raised $300 million at a cool $13.3 billion valuation. Brett, longtime P PayPals remember you using OpenSea to purchase your Sappy Seal NFTs. What's happening with the platform now? And maybe give us a how are your Sappy Seals doing?
1: Well, I think Peak Pals will all be happy to know that the sappy seals have appreciated in value, which is very exciting for me. And some background on OpenSea, which is the platform I bought them on and like with a platform that I will soon sell them on, was founded in 2017. And it's the go-to place for people to buy and sell NFTs and digital art. The marketplace is similar to eBay in that buyers place bids on NFTs using Ethereum. And since its 2017 launch, OpenSea has sold, believe it or not, over 10 billion dollars in NFTs.
0: I believe it. And now Crypto Superfund, Paradigm Ventures, led OpenSea's $300 million round. And OpenSea wants to use the funding to make its platform more accessible to people who aren't familiar with NFTs and its growing team, specifically its trust and safety team. And over the past year, people have reported being scammed out of their NFTs by other people posing as OpenSea employees. Like, are they posing like they're wearing a shirt that says OpenSea? That's what I'd like to know.
1: It's the new duck cleaning. They're going to call you saying, hey, you know, it's Mike from OpenSea.
0: (laughs) That's pretty good. But Brett, aside from OpenSea, is it just another tech company raising a ton of money or is there something bigger we all should be watching? We really should be
1: watching NFTs, Jay. I know people are ridicule NFTs a lot for just being glorified JPEGs, but NFT sales have jumped from $100 million in 2020 to $23 billion in 2021. So 2021's biggest NFT sales were matching the prices of paintings like Picasso and Monet. And OpenSea's huge raise, another signal from investors that they believe that the NFT trend is here to stay. And I guess only time will tell, but it seems like the train is moving. Well, hold
0: on to those sappy seal.
1: No, I'm not. They're, they're going to be gone next week. <laughs> For our second story, staffing shortages from Omicron are straining supply chains across Canada. Jay, I can't even notice the staffing shortages because there's nothing to do in Ontario in the lockdown. But for those in other parts of the country, what's going
0: on? I haven't been outside in days. But new COVID cases have jumped 10 times higher from December to January, forcing many workers to self-isolate. And even though some provinces have shortened self-isolation periods from like 14 days to 10 days, and now five days, it's forcing some businesses to change operating hours and make workers take on extra shifts, the ones that are not self-isolating. And now Omicron's emergence could make it harder to fill jobs in Canada as we surpass a record million job vacancies.
1: And coupled with capacity cuts at gyms, grocery stores, and restaurants in some provinces, the increase in people contracting Omicron and isolating is affecting other sectors as well. In Quebec, people calling on emergency services are expected, they're expected, Jay to be more patient as the province deals with a shortage of police officers and paramedics. Imagine calling 911 and being told to be a bit patient with our emergency services. In Toronto, officials are preparing plans in the event that up to 60% of their workers, that's a lot, end up sick, and BC officials are drawing up similar scenario plans. So Jay, it feels like we're always talking about Omicron, and I'm, I'm pretty over it to be honest with you. But the staffing shortages are likely to have a big impact on our economy and daily lives, so can you break down for the Peek why this matters?
0: sure so staffing shortages will affect operating hours at stores this could pose a bigger problem in rural areas that have much more limited access to essential businesses like grocery stores and if omicron cases continue to surge into spring it could cut into peak season for farmers and affect production and availability at grocery stores for months to come for our last story 2021 was a strong run for the oil and gas bulls, and looking ahead to 2022, some of the sector's biggest backers are already happy with what they're seeing. Brett, we've been talking a lot about electric vehicles, so I guess we are shifting gears dramatically today. Sh-
1: sh- shifting gears literally. We're going back to the combustible engine. OPEC Plus is a coalition of the world's, or some of the world's, oil producers, and they've decided to pump more oil to the world economy with strong hopes that travel and demand for fuel will hold up despite... The rapid spread of the COVID-19 Omicron variant.
0: With the broadly expected news, oil prices rose. U.S. crude traded 1.7% higher on the New York Mercantile Exchange at $77.32 per barrel, while international benchmark Brent crude was up 1.5% to $80.28.
1: I like Brent crude better. The production and delivery of oil products, natural gas and electricity in Canada contributes about $170 billion to Canada's $1.8 trillion GDP meaning that oil and gas prices are usually good for Canada's macroeconomic outlook.
0: I like that Canada's GDP is $1.8 and Apple's valuation is over $3 trillion, just to put that into perspective. Yeah. South of the border, the White House said that the decision by OPEC to continue increases in production is a move that may help facilitate broader economic recovery, which sounds like good news. It all sounds like good news for Canada, Brett, and especially Alberta, but is there anything else we should be considering?
1: Well, according to a Stats Canada report, looking ahead, Canada's oil and gas extraction industry still faces some challenges despite the recovery of oil prices, such as uncertain near-term energy demand because of the potential for new waves of COVID, the cancellation of the Keystone XL pipeline, which was supposed to help Alberta transport raw bitumen to the U.S. for refining, and carbon pricing and increased demand for clean energy, all of which may prevent capital spending in the industry from rebounding. Basically what they're saying is don't get too excited. Peak Pals, thanks for making us the most listened to and only daily Canadian business news podcast in the country.
0: If you've got a second, why not follow this podcast on your app of choice and leave us a review. And if
1: you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. As always, thanks to Dale Richardson and 306 Media Productions for putting together this episode.
0: Thank you, Dale. And thank you, Brett. And Brett, wish me luck. Today is day two of school lockdown 3.0. So I'll be locking it down. I
1: I sympathize, Jay. That sounds terrible
0: instead of just sympathizing, Brett, do you want to actually teach grade two?
1: I'm not qualified, Jay. I got, I got a day job, you know.
0: <laughs> You're probably not qualified. Have a good day, Brett. <laughs> Thanks, shame.